This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on this August 1st edition of Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks with you in just a second. Danielle Aubrey, she's the CEO of Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse. We'll be speaking with a Calgary member of Parliament, a former city councillor there as well, George Chahal. Uh, before this show is done, you have probably heard that MP Chahal has called for the federal government to pull all of its funding uh, from Canada's most prominent outdoor festival. Of course, I'm talking about the Calgary Stampede, which has branded itself for decades as the greatest outdoor show on earth. A nearly record-setting summer for the Calgary Stampede, which saw the second most attendees of all time pass through the gates this summer. But all of the attention that it's been gleaning over the past couple of weeks has been, well, troubling to say the least. This after a partial settlement was reached in a class action lawsuit, dozens of names attached to it, alleging abuse, sexual abuse, and quite frankly, a cover-up for more than 30 years involving the famous Young Canadians, the performance troupe of teens that has wowed millions of people as part of the Stampede's grandstand show and other involvements for many, many years. Some of the details that you're going to hear today are going to be troubling, and we want to let you know that supports are available for survivors of sexual assault at calgarycasa.com. That's calgarycasa.com. Their support and information line is 403-237-5888. We're going to be having a difficult conversation today, but it's an important one, and we're grateful to have you here with us. Before we get to our guest, I want to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is presented by Danatech, the leader in Canadian safety training for more than 30 years. Do you need safety training that actually makes a difference on your job site? Danatech's online blended and instructor-led training courses combine regulatory compliance with real-world smarts and practical tips from industry experts. You can explore some of their best-selling courses for training your team that have been trusted by thousands of training managers across many, many different industries by visiting them online today. You can get started at danatech.com. Daniel Aubrey has a master's of social work and management and policy from the University of Calgary, and she's been working in the sexual violence field for more than 35 years. She founded Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse in her living room in 1994. And since then, she has worked in many different roles through her career from a frontline service provider all the way through to the CEO of the organization, a role that she's held for more than 30 years. We're grateful she's agreed to join us this morning on Real Talk. Thank you for making time for us, Danielle, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it. This is obviously difficult subject matter uh, for anybody, uh, but more than anything, I think what makes this most troubling is the fact that there are dozens of complainants involved in this class action lawsuit alleging abuse that has been uh, uh, not just occurring or had been occurring, but also in some circumstances had been reported 
over the course of more than 30 years. When did this story, this scandal first wind up on your radar? You know, I remember this story uh, back in the mid 2000s. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that for a number of years we had heard sort of snippets of that from people that were starting to come out. And so, you know, I think the disturbing thing, Ryan, is that, uh, you know, this kind of scenario is not unique. It's not unusual in a sense when you look at sort of how sexual violence happens, uh, particularly child sexual abuse. So, um, you know, in terms of we know that people who choose to uh, perpetrate perpetrate these kind of crimes often have many, many victims, you know, so uh, because that's what they want to do. Uh, and that's what they create scenarios where they have access to children. Uh, they have access to situations where the children are either vulnerable or uh, vulnerable to their power and control. Uh, and, you know, this is how we see it happen. Uh, we're talking uh, the individual here uh, who was sentenced back in 2018, about five years ago, to 10 years in prison is Philip Hirama, uh, who had uh, been serving in a role, a leadership role uh, with the young Canadians. Um, the sentencing relating to sexually exploitative acts uh, relating to six members of the young Canadians, that performing arts uh, group, uh, he had been convicted for incidents that took place for more than two decades between 1992 and 2014, uh, it's believed that the first report of an alleged assault was filed uh, by a young person back in 1988. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. this is far from the first time that an organization has been uh, embroiled in a situation like this. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I think back to 1988, that's when I started, you know, starting my career in this field. And uh, you know, talking to children about this issue was, I, you know, I think we had one of the first, uh, you know, the, the former agency, the Calgary Sexual Assault Center before CASA came around, um, was was just creating um, a program called Who Do You Tell for Children? Um, and, you know, you talk about controversy and, and discomfort uh, of people, but uh, you know, our school systems in Calgary sort of embraced that program, uh, but it was you know, it, it was not something that people did. Uh, you know, no one talked about this issue. Uh, you know, people held up the carpet so it could be swept under, you know, faster than you could blink an eye. Um, and it's quite remarkable to me that uh, these individuals back then were, uh, you know, found the, the strength within themselves, particularly probably as children or adolescents, to actually disclose. And it hurts my heart to think of, you know, the type of responses that they did or didn't get more like, you know, that they didn't get. Um, and, you know, we know the result of that can be devastating, uh, further de devastating than, than the abuse. This lawsuit, um, as mentioned, alleged that one of the victims here who was just 16 years old at the time had approached a grandstand show executive back in 1988 and reported being abused by Herman. And according to this young person's testimony, they claim to have been told uh, that their allegations could have serious consequences. Um, and, and he said later the, that he did not pursue the matter over fear that he may have been removed from the young Canadians group. I would yeah. love your insight on that. 
Well, you know, the, the, the young Canadians group is the same as, you know, can be compared to a hockey team, to, um, you know, any kind of uh, high pressure situation that kids might be involved in, um, where they have, a, you know, the young Canadians, I had a friend when I was a kid that was in it, and you talk about high pressure. Um, and so I think the important thing to know in, in this is that in many of these situations, uh, it you know th- these kind of crimes happen between people that are known to each other. So there's it's an interpersonal crime, and with that comes all the dynamics. Not not just in the relationship, but like you said, what's the context? What's the the pressure here? What's um, you know kids, children, and youth know what kind of um, repercussions they know that you know for example if a, if a child talks about something that's happening in the, in the family they know that it could blow the family apart if they tell right and so um you know this is the kind of message that this 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 young man got was if you tell this is going to you know you're going to be responsible for you know bringing bad media to us um you know hurting someone that uh you know that is such a leader in in the young canadians you know that the needs of of the survivor at that point are typically the very last to be even considered and and in fact they're probably not considered so you know this is we we've seen this like i said uh in sports in theater in uh, so many you know, families, you know, in institutions, you know, how many times have we heard, you know, you don't want to ruin that person's life and that reputation, right? And so where are the needs of that person? They're, they're not even, you know, what about their lives? Yeah, I mean, and, and even just the, the gaslighting element to it, that, that factor, whether it's intentional or otherwise, are you sure this happened? Are you sure that you experienced or, you know, that it happened in the way that you claim to have experienced? How right. sure are you, Right. Yeah. And and that's what, you know, most children and youth that experience sexual violence, experience post-traumatic or trauma and then post-traumatic stress. And so, um, you know, that kind of gaslighting just adds to that trauma because you begin to self-doubt, um, you know, and you replace sort of the, the feeling, your own feelings with um you know, the need to protect and doubt yourself and make sure you got it right. Um and that no one's mad at you. Um, CTV News is uh, reporting that more than 70 individuals are involved in this class action lawsuit, and that ranges from those who alleged to have been uh, lured, photographed, uh, assaulted, uh, abused. Um, this is obviously uh, something that's occurred uh, or alleged to have occurred over 30 years. To be honest with you, it, it kind of reminds me in a sense, and I hope I'm not stretching too far here, but I wanted to talk to you about this. It, it reminds me of, of allegations and convictions uh, that have plagued the Catholic Church over the past number of years, in particular because of the hallowed reputation that the Calgary Stampede has in the city of Calgary. I mean, this is the brand in the city of Calgary. The Stampede brand is bigger than the Flames. It's bigger than anything else that comes out of Calgary. And for a lot of people, whether you're talking uh, uh, about controversy around the rodeo, whether you're talking about you know horses being euthanized in chuck wagon races, whether you're talking about this, uh, the scandal involving the young Canadians, a lot of people feel like it's an attack on them because it's an attack on the Calgary Stampede. Same goes with the Catholic Church. Can we get into it? 
Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, again, you have hit on like one of the key dynamics that exists that that keeps this issue silent. Um, you know, and, and I think that the our biggest challenge as a society is to be able to hold space for all of those different types of realities. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've you know, while I was raised in Edmonton, but uh, or born in Edmonton, raised in Calgary, um, I mean, I know what the stampede means to this city. Um, and yeah, you can hold on to that. You can keep that. But but that doesn't that cannot push away the other realities that might exist in, in an institution as large as that. Um, and I think it's the same for the Catholic Church, um, you know, uh, we're not attacking the religion when we talk about sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. We're talking about an ugly, ugly reality that has been allowed to exist um, and, uh, you know, has been, there have been many, many people and part of the structures that have been complicit in allowing this to happen. Um, and, you know, what we've seen in that is, you know, the priest gets transferred over to, you know, a rural area <clears throat> from a big city. Um, and you know, that that's the amount, that's the only thing that ever happens to them. So they continue their abusive ways. Um, so yes, it's, um, you know, I think people have to get over it. People have to, uh, prioritize the needs of survivors and, and have a reality check that, you know, there's over 1.4 million Albertans that have experienced sexual violence in their lifetimes. And, you know, uh, let's stop uh, pretending that these types of um, realities that come out are going to ruin an institution like that. You said you know, 1.4 million Albertans. That's like off the top of my head, that's approximately one in three. Yes, it is. And this came from a provincial study that, that our provincial association, the Association of Alberta Sexual Assault Centers did, um, that was released in 2020. Uh, so it was a, a replicated study from a national study back in 1984. And we wanted current numbers. We couldn't do a national study. So we did one in Alberta. And that, those are the kinds of numbers. And it's both boys and girls that are impacted by this. Um, and throughout all of their ages. But we do know that children and youth are the most vulnerable to sexual violence. Um, and so, you know, let, let's stop thinking that we have to put our children's safety with the reputation of the church or the Calgary Stampede. We don't have to choose between that. Um, you know, the Stampede is going to survive uh, regardless of, well, we've seen it. They've, they, like you said, they've had their most successful year. Um, and these allegations aren't new, right? So they've been known. Um, so yes, you know, the Stampede needs to do what they're starting to do now, take accountability. But these types of interventions need to happen at every level of the organization. We can't just focus on providing services for kids like the young Canadians. This has to be a structural institutional change at every level of the organization. We're talking to Danielle Aubrey. She's the uh, CEO of Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse. I want to talk to you about the Stampede's response to this. Um, you know, the, and, and to give people, again, a, a refresher on the timeline here, it, it's, it's reported, it's believed that uh, the first report was, was received, uh, that was reported a young person at that time in 1988. An investigation was launched in 2012. Um, the accused was sentenced uh, 
in 2018. And the reason why we're talking about it this week, a settlement was announced uh, on Wednesday, a week ago tomorrow, uh, between the Calgary Exhibition and Stampede, the Calgary Stampede Foundation, and a number of members of the Young Canadians. Uh, the Stampede has released a statement um, after originally denying any wrongdoing. They've now agreed to pay 100% of liability damages, but punitive damages have not been agreed on. And there's another court date scheduled for the end of September. Uh, the Stampede said it quotes, take full responsibility in the hopes of helping victims to heal. The statement says we can't change the events of the past, but we are deeply sorry for how the victims have been affected. It goes on to say our commitment to those impacted is to do everything possible to guard against anything similar ever happening again. And we've taken meaningful steps to enhance the safety and wellness of our youth participants. Does it pass the test? Um, I, I mean, my, per, my professional and personal opinion, well, more my professional opinion is that it's a, it's a, it's a small start. Um, I, I really think that, um, uh, that a statement is a statement. I think that if I if I had been sort of planning this kind of announcement, I would have had people people standing up. You know, the, the Calgary Stampede has a very large board. They have executive members. Um, I just I feel like uh, you know having some people standing and uh, making the statement uh, would have been more impactful. Um, I think it, it connects actually people to the organization. Um, but I have to say that in my many, many years of doing this, uh, there are very, very few people and organizations that actually come out and, you know, take accountability. You know, you see a lot of dodging, a lot of language around, you know, we're very sorry that you feel that way or, um, you know, so I, I do have to give them some credit for that, that, um, you know, that it's a really important piece uh, for people. But my goodness, the, the work uh, is definitely uh, only beginning, I think, for the Stampede. Um, and I hope that they continue to do the right thing and not just focus on programs for the children, but, you know, make it an institutional uh, interventions and changes that that uh, if this becomes an organization where one of the first things you think about when you think of the Cal Calgary Stampede is how courageous they were to actually institute significant change within their organization and that any kind of abuse or bullying in any of those environments are not acceptable, including um, those types of things happening on the Stampede grounds. Um, and I can talk about a little bit about that, Ryan, at some point well, let's around talk one of the initiatives. Yeah, let's talk about that right now. Are you talking okay, about so, the, are you talking about the state of the art the, the the performing arts studio the glass walls all that kind of stuff? No, what I'm talking about is a, a program that we uh, deliver with um, a, a domestic violence agency in Calgary called Sages uh, at the Calgary Folk Festival. And what it is, it's called Safer Spaces. And we just had our folk festival. And what they did is they actually had a tent um, at the folk festival where. People could come if they had experienced, you know, some sexual harassment or harassment of some kind or are feeling, you know, any kind of situation like that, that we know happens at festivals, <laughs> you know, when you get a lot of people together um, and some people don't have appropriate boundaries or some people are perpetrators. And so 
it really, again, it, it on the grounds, it, it gives the message to people that are attending that festival that you have a, you have a safe place to go if something happens. Um, and so we would like to, you know, we've had very initial conversations with the Stampede about doing that. Um, so really, I think, again, for an institution like that, you're looking at the pro, you know, the youth programming, the policy level, the training on staff for staff, what happens on the stampede grounds? What are the messages? Um, I don't think that people understand that uh, the mere message of, you know, actually saying this is not acceptable to us as an organization, we will not tolerate it. Um, you know, I know that sounds, and th those are very simplest, simplistic things, but they're also a beginning to, to really, I mean, I, I remember the day when there was no signs in AHS faci facilities that said, you know, abuse will not be tolerated. Mm. I think that that has, an, that has had an, an impact within that organization that gives people messages that you cannot abuse or abuse our staff. Just as an example. Hmm. I, I should mention some of the, the commitments that the Calgary Stampede has announced in response to this. They, th they say they've implemented a comprehensive system of policies and procedures. I know that the general public rolls their eyes at stuff like that, but that does not mean it's insignificant. Uh, to ensure safe programs and environments, they say protected disclosure, duty of care and investigation procedures, uh, a commitment to a culture of transparency and disclosure where youth are encouraged to come forward with concerns establishing an environment where they feel comfortable and safe to do so. Maybe easier said than done. I'd love your insight on that, uh, Danielle. And, and this is what I was referencing as well. They say state-of-the-art security measures in the performing arts studio, including video surveillance, electronically controlled access points, and see-through glass doors in all rooms and offices, which that seems strange to me. I don't know. You know, your, your child may be in a room with a predator, but don't worry. It's glass doors and there's video cameras. So we'll be able to see if something goes wrong. I don't know. That last yeah. one, that, that last one seems a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> but, but maybe your thoughts, you have, you know, 35 years of experience here. Is, is, is it, uh, I don't know if I use the word adequate, but is it appropriate? I mean, I think to address that, I mean, those are things that they call, I think, target harden, hardening, and the police do it quite often, you know, well, um, or a lot of not just the police, but, you know, they'll look at sort of the physical environment, you know, how can we, uh, you know, let's cut these shrubs down so that, you know, there there's a sight line to, you know, the, the LRT station or whatever. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's a very, very tiny piece, because, you know, let's remember that, um the individuals that are perpetrating these kind of crimes are very good at what they do. Um, and they typically uh, create environments where they are going to be alone with the child somehow. So, um, you know, again, maybe it's a message that, you know, we're watching you and you can't do this out in the open, but the reality is, is that doesn't typically happen in those kind of environments. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it is a, it, it's a it's a bit different, um, but I think again, let's not put too much weight into it as far as how effective it is. Um, and you know, to go back to you to the idea about policy development and um, 
You know, again, I think that what I have seen is that there are many of the companies or institutions that, you know, will hire an HR company or, uh, you know, a law firm to to do a policy for them. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm biased, but uh, I really believe that uh, when these organizations do that, that they should be asking their local sexual assault centers to re- help review those policies. I reviewed many policies before. Um, and, you know, some of them are solid, but the reality is they, they're not a trauma-informed and they're not sexual violence trauma-informed. So, um, you know, uh, I, I think when we talk about redirecting funds, um, you know, I would like to see the encouragement of these organizations or possibly a mandate to actually work with organizations like Sexual Assault Services. Um, we have tremendous expertise. Um, we we are very solution oriented, um, you know, because that's we believe that that's how you're going to make change. Um, you know, we want to empower people and organizations to to actually um, do the right things and do things that are actually going to be effective um, to deter people and also to encourage people to come forward. Have you reached out to the Calgary Stampede? Has the Calgary Stampede reached out to your organization? Is this something I would imagine you would be keen to to participate in this and to provide expertise? Absolutely. I mean, we did. We've been in touch with them for about a year and a half. Um, uh, it's uh, you know to talk about some different um, different ways of working together. I think part of it was first reaching out to talk about the safer space idea. Um, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we've engaged in these conversations and I, I hope that the, the stampede continues to honor the relationship that we've started with them. Um, and because as I said, I, I do think that they have an opportunity, uh, to provide a, a new level of leadership, um, for big systems and companies, um, and showing how you can actually make change. But boy, that is going to take a lot of will on the part of the board and the senior leaders of, in that organization. Um, and, uh, and you know, as I said, I, I think that sexual assault services, us in Calgary, are the best ones to help shepherd that and support them um, to, 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 do, to make these kinds of changes. Um, you, you know, we, we call the show Real Talk because we like to hit stuff head on. And so I want to acknowledge, I, mean, I, I oftentimes hesitate to amplify trolls messages, but we've got one in our live chat right now. And, and I sense an opportunity to pounce. Um, you know, there, there's somebody in our live chat right now that, that opened with Pierre Polyev for prime minister. Um, I'm not sure that the leader of the official opposition is going to appreciate their subsequent messages because association politically is not what you're looking for here. But this troll goes on to say, stop grooming our children in schools. No more drag story time in schools. And this, this is something that's been heavily politicized and talked about. And I'm not afraid to talk about it here. I would like to point out that this is not a drag queen uh, that was convinced. And sentenced to 10 years in prison for grooming and sexually assaulting young boys and the young Canadians. 
It was not a drag queen that was the pastor at Mississauga Pentecostal that was just uh, convicted of assault. It was not a drag queen in Grand Island, the pastor that now faces sexual assault charges. It was not a drag queen in New Westminster or Metro Vancouver that was the pastor that is now charged with sexual offenses. It was not a drag queen that was in Little Rock, Arkansas, that is alleged to have sexually assaulted a 17-year-old at Second Baptist Church. It was not a drag queen that is the 74-year-old shooter. Schwab pastor who sexually assaulted a 16 year old girl that was just sentenced in May. That's just the first page of my Google search for pastor sexual assault. Now I could rattle these off for the next 10 minutes of who is not a drag queen reading storybooks, but I think I've made my point and I think that I've made it clear. I'd love your comment on that. This has become a highly polarized and highly politicized situation, these drag queen story times. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, uh, the the comment is is just significantly, significantly uninformed about child sexual abuse and how it happens, who commits it. Um, you know, when I first started my career, uh, the gay community was was um, already being um, blamed for child sexual abuse, you know. And so it's it's ugly to me that that and, and not that the drag community is the same as the gay community, but they are two different um, uh, communities in our in our society. Uh, but people people have their own reasons for wanting to scapegoat a population. But you're absolutely right, Ryan. These are not. Um, these are these are people in our communities, in our structures, in our families, um, in our schools, uh, in our hockey rate, like everywhere, right? And so I think that people often want to simplify this issue because it's so interpersonal and because it impacts families very deeply, um, and they want to scapegoat because of their own biases and ignorances. Um, a population that uh, has nothing to do, you know, is there a drag queen that might be a, um, a sex offender? Probably somewhere. Yeah. Um, just like there's people mainly that are not drag queens, like you said. Um, so I think that we have to come at this with uh, reality and education and talking to people like us, um, people like survivors. We do this work day in, day out. We know who, uh, who the people are that that are perpetrating this, um, and it's it's I think more comforting to be able to scapegoat a community or uh, a group of some sort to say that oh they're the ones that are doing it, um, and that's just not the case. I know it makes maybe people feel better, uh, but you know because we want to be able to say oh you know my kids are protected because we're not we don't hang around this community. Um, well, that's that's ignorant um, and it's risky. Yeah, you're putting people and children at risk by having those kinds of beliefs. You know, I, I, we're going to be talking to Member of Parliament George Chahal next, former Calgary City Councilor, and, and he suggested he'd like to see his government, the Liberal government, pull federal funding um, for the stampede. We're going to talk to him about that. I, I had somebody fire back at me yesterday when, when, when they had heard about MP Chahal's suggestion. They said, oh, yeah, the guy that was accused of mailbox tampering during the election, <laughs> well, you know, has no credibility here. I'm sitting there thinking, like, that's your number one thing? It, it, yeah. It's it's not the more than 70 young people connected to this class action lawsuit. It, it's not the cover up of abuse that is alleged to have occurred over more than 27 years. 
but it's the fact that somebody's political opponent has something to say about it that they're going to jump to the defense of whatever the opposite position is. I don't think it's a productive position, and that's about the nicest thing I can say about it. I think you said uninformed, which is about the most gentle way to put it. Let me ask you that in closing. Funding. George Chahal, Calgary MP, puts his neck out there says they should pull yeah. federal funding. I, we're going to ask him about blowback that he's received. Meantime, Alberta's premier and ministers, including Tanya Fur, have said they're not going to pull provincial funding. They say that it's Alberta's premier festival, which is true. And obviously, there are a lot of levers being pulled behind the scenes. I think most people recognize that. What do you think in that context? Is that an appropriate response? Would it be an appropriate response from the federal government? I don't. I think it would be... Uh, I don't know how much money they get. So I think that depending on how much it is, um, either all of it or a portion of it uh, should be scrutinized. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, having expectations, much like they did with Hockey Canada, um, but maybe a little bit stronger um, than with Hockey Canada. And again, um, you know, working with professionals like sexual assault services that that know how to, you know, uh, know how to work with this and create some goals around that that funding. Maybe some of it's redirected to uh, hiring, um, you know, sexual assault centers to to work internally with the organization. Um, what I can say about the provincial government, um, you know, what we do see is is a commitment from the UCP government in the last election for sexual assault centers to get to have $10 million over four years. We don't know what that's going to look like. Um, but my hope is that they they are true to that, that commitment because, you know, if they're not going to cut the funding to the stampede, then make sure that you fund sexual assault services. Yeah. Uh, I sure appreciate uh, your not just your availability to talk about this, but but your willingness to tackle the tough subject matter, a, a situation like this. And it, 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 it twists my gut up into yeah. knots and it, it, it demands a courageous conversation. I know for a lot of people that are going to be listening Absolutely. to this, this is a tough uh, thing to talk about because a lot of people are bringing their lived experience and their trauma to the table and I want to thank our audience for participating in this as well uh, Danielle Aubrey does incredible work with her team at the uh, Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse you can find them online at Calgary CASA that's CalgaryCASA.com uh, again their support and information line uh, is 403-237-5888 Alberta's one line for sexual violence is one 403 8,000. Uh, many resources available online. We'll put all of that information in our show notes on the podcast and on YouTube. Uh, Danielle, thanks for this. Thank you so much, Ryan. I very much appreciate it. Anytime. You got it. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk to the Calgary member of parliament, uh, a former city councilor in that city that says that it's time for the feds to pull funding. Uh, you can let us know what you think about this. Uh, we'll talk about the, pro the province's approach to this as well. They say they're not pulling funding, but uh, Alberta's government, uh, led by Premier Daniel Smith, is not letting the stampede off the hook. Uh, it says that it wants evidence. It wants proof uh, that the stampede is taking this seriously and is taking uh, meaningful steps forward to address this. And we'll get into that in just a second. This conversation is presented by Real Talk sponsors like the family-owned business that is Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. This is what we feed our dogs. Why? Because we have seen proof that their health improves when they're eating Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. I wanted to highlight a couple of 
products in particular, and you can find everything at granddog.ca. If you're heading out on a camping adventure this summer, Owies and Oopsies contains antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties. It's an effective topical solution to keep close at hand. This is for your pet's first aid, especially when they're spending time outside. They're in the bush. They're near areas with mosquitoes, black flies, other insects as well. Owies and Oopsies provides healing and soothing for hot spots and burns, insect bites, cuts, scrapes, scratches, and more. It's 100% natural ingredients, gluten-free, sustainable sourced, and cruelty-free. You can learn more about this and all other products available from Grand Dog Essentials. Delivered to your door, by the way, in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta by visiting granddog.ca. The promo code REALTALKNOX, 10% off your first-time order from Grand Dog. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy are hiring right now. They've just opened a beautiful office in Edmonton. They've opened a beautiful office down in Calgary. Congratulations to them. And of course, they were just voted as the best solar installer in Kamloops, BC as well. Kubi is making a huge name for itself as Western Canada's premier solar installer. And they're looking for those with tickets, journeymen, and apprentices who'd like to be part of their team. You can check out the careers link at kubienergy.ca and help them grow clean energy in Canada. You can check out their badass projects. That's what the website says. Again, that's kubienergy.ca. If you're envisioning a bright future for yourself, and that may include going back to school, but there's some hurdles in your way, the schedule of a post-secondary education, the fact that maybe you're living out of town in a rural area or commuting to an actual brick-and-mortar school just isn't in the cards for you. Sounds like you might be a perfect fit for Athabasca University. Tens of thousands of Canadian post-secondary learners are trusting Canada's open university. Why? Because it's a perfect fit to learn at your own pace. It offers that flexibility on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You can get started today by visiting AthabascaU.ca. Learn more about the open admission policy, which means if you're 16 years of age or older, you will be accepted as a student. It's one of the great reasons why so many people trust Athabasca University. And when it comes to Canada's oil sands, we've been talking about this a lot over the past couple of weeks. It's no secret that it's a heavy emissions industry, right? Everybody knows that. And that's why six of the largest producers in Canada's oil sands, six of the largest companies are working together and with governments to take strides on the path to net zero from their operations. Part of their plan includes developing a proposed carbon capture and storage network by 2030. It's going to be one of the world's largest. You can learn more today by visiting pathwaysalliance.ca. A ton of comments here in, in our live chat, and I want to thank Real Talkers for showing up for this difficult conversation. Mark says, you know, here's a big problem that's supposed to have been resolved at law. He says the trade-off between an accusation and the whole innocent until proven guilty doctrine, hindsight's sure great after a conviction. Uh, Tracy says over the past 25 years, a lot of work's been done to increase awareness and programming, but it always seems to take a backseat to other issues in society. Dwayne says intimidation and manipulation go hand in hand here, and that can build fear. 
Tony says supporters of the Calgary Stampede keep saying it's on the individual and not on the board. What the hell? If the board admits liability, then they're just at fault. It's sickening. Uh, Tony, you can't tell me, and I know you're not trying to. Nobody's going to believe the fact that this wasn't on everybody's radar. Uh, An investigation initiated more than 11 years ago, a conviction uh, approximately five years ago. I mean, this goes back this first and who knows when the first incident was. But it's believed, at least uh, as far as reporting goes, that this goes back to 1987. We're talking about 27 years involving the young Canadians. I'm a born and raised Calgary kid. If you're a born and raised Calgary kid, if you live in Calgary, chances are you know at least one person personally that has been proud to participate with, to perform with the young Canadians. This is a story that slams that institute's reputation and obviously has prompted a lot of people to ask some very difficult questions. One Calgarian who's stuck his neck out on this is a former city councillor. He's now the Liberal Member of Parliament for Calgary Skyview, and he joins us live. It's George Chahal. Uh, Recently, George suggesting that the feds need to pull financial support for the Calgary Stampede. I want to thank you for making time for us this morning and welcome you to the show, George. It's nice to see you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me on your show today. When did this uh, scandal first land on your radar? How long have you personally known about these allegations? Well, I've heard stories of uh, what's happened here for a number of years. But uh, last week, uh, when the news broke, um, this really impacted me. And I want to first of all say that, um, you know, I stand with the victims. Um, They've you know, they have a lot of courage for, to coming forward and fighting this fight uh, over a number of years. Uh, this is over two decades of abuse that occurred and over 70 victims, how they've been traumatized, how their lives have been impacted. Uh, as a father of three girls, I send my kids to uh, performance, dance, uh, to sports, And as a parent, our biggest fear is the safety of our children. And I know so many Calgarians and Canadians feel the same way. And when I saw this, um, you know, it came to me that the Stampede, which is a very large organization, um, every year we have a great uh, festival here in Calgary. But over two decades, how could this have been covered up? And how did the public not know? How were these victims prevented from getting justice and there's a responsibility and accountability for the stampede and the board that they have to accept and acknowledge and justice needs to be served uh, so these victims have an opportunity for reconciliation moving forward so you've suggested that the federal government should should pull its funding for the calgary stampede do you happen to know off the top of your head approximately what the annual contribution is from ottawa to calgary on this Well, what I've asked for is for us to look at halting future funding. I mean, we've funded the Stampede over a number of years. And recently, last year, I did an announcement at Stampede uh, for restarting some of their events. Uh, There's a number of different funding mechanisms that previously have been provided through infrastructure funding, through uh, job support funding. And so what I'm asking for was a halt so we can, can have transparency this organization can be responsible and take accountability to ensure that our children are protected, but also on why it took so long 
for this board and this organization to accept responsibility to support these victims. Over 70 victims, uh, we know there are 70 victims, and there may be more that were also um, impacted as well. And so what I'm asking for is a halt, but this is for all organizations. Uh, we've seen uh, so many organizations across the country. We saw uh, Hockey Canada recently, and uh, there's the gymnastics organizations that, that had significant challenges. So as we provide funding as the federal government or any order of government, we may need to make sure that these organizations are doing everything they can to protect the children and youth, the volunteers and employees within their organizations. Uh Talk to me about the, I mean, the brand and the power of the brand, the institution. Everybody in Calgary knows who Guy Wiedek is. Everybody has, you know, for, for the most part, their own stampede memories. Uh, people will jump to the, including me, George, I've jumped to the defense of the Calgary Stampede chuck wagons. You know, when, when horses are euthanized, people call for the event to be shut down. You know, the stamp, I'm not trying to drag different issues into the mix here, but, you know, we're having a conversation. This is how mm. it goes. I mean, a horse is euthanized following a chuck wagon race this summer, and that's after Changes were made to, to make the sport more safe uh, for, for the horses that are involved there. You, you talk to chuck wagon drivers, you talk to people associated with the sport, and, and, and you can tell they love the horses. You talk to the backers of the events of the rodeo, you can tell that they care about the animals, but there, there's this constant uh, kerfuffle. There's this constant sort of, you know, I don't know what I want to call it, but, but this, this disagreement that plagues the stampede, the point that I'm making is that the defenders of the stampede, those that will attend, the millions of people that will attend the Calgary Stampede will find a way to, to justify it. They'll find Find a way to protect the brand because the brand is incredibly important to and beloved by the city. So when a prominent person like you suggests that funding should be pulled, we should note that the feds don't support the Stampede every single year. Uh, although over the course of COVID, Ottawa did send about $14 million to the Stampede. So it's not chump change. I would imagine that there's blowback. Uh, what are some of the messages that you've received or what has been some of the response that you've experienced uh, since you made your statement earlier this week? Yeah, first of all, I'm a born and raised Calgarian. I spent so many years at the Stampede, going to the Stampede, going to the rodeo as a child and as an adult. And I've taken my kids there as well. It's it's a big festival in our city that, um, you know, really represents our Western Canadian heritage. But you know, this organization is very powerful um, in the Calgary contest. It, it does provide a lot of economic benefits throughout the city, but that does, should not take away for the responsibilities that the organization has in ensuring the protection of its employees and the children and youth that work there, that perform there. And so for me, um, you know, I've had so many folks uh, over the years that I've had to interact with, but you know, since I've come forward to support the victims and to highlight this, I mean, there's been uh, a lot of support from the community. Um, folks who also enjoy the stampede and are supportive of the festival, but are really concerned with this behavior or the cover-up that ha has occurred over two decades and the lack of responsibility or the, um, the their ability from their board an organization to take responsibility and accountability uh, with this specific issue, which is a horrific crime um, where these 70 victims were victimized. 
Um, but how did this get covered up? How did this, you know, what, how was this swept under the rug and how were uh, these victims prevented the justice they, they deserve? Uh, that's for me what I've heard, but I've also, there's been a lot of hate that's been brought forward as well. Um, I can tell you, um, you know, I've had support from a lot of folks walking the streets and saying, you know what, it's good that you've highlighted this, but we've had a lot of hate sent our way through social media. And a lot of that hate is also uh, promoted by politicians south of the border, uh, Ron DeSantis um, and others and Fox News, um, and the pipeline of hate that's been brought forward through that pipeline into Canada through uh, Jordan Peterson or rebel uh, rebel media promoting hate against, you know, the LGBTQ community um, towards racialized communities. I've seen a significant number of that. Those messages pop up on my um, social media feeds targeting me, but targeting those communities as well. And it's disgusting. I mean, we don't have to look to Florida's governor uh, for a political reference on on this one. Ron Liepert is uh, a Calgary member of parliament, a conservative MP, obviously has has had a career in provincial politics as well. Um, he responded to the Canadian press. I'm referencing their reporting here. And, and he said that you're grandstanding. Uh, he says, quote, uh, Mr. Chahal knows how unpopular the Trudeau liberals are in Alberta. He can't defend their record. So he's looking for other issues to try and change the channel. End quote. He said uh, that he has no evidence that the Stampede Board has lost the public trust. How would you respond to that? Well, I'd say he's grandstanding. Um, I did not bring politics forward. In, um, I'm standing up for the victims. I'm standing up for the children and youth in our community that were abused. So it's unfortunate that uh, an, an elected official would call that grandstanding. Um, I think they need to reflect on... An, all of us should be standing forward at all levels of government, supporting transparency and accountability, but standing up for the victims. These children and youth that were abused over two decades and how this was covered up. So what I would like is answers and I would like him and others uh, to stand up and say why they don't want accountability and transparency of this organization and all the other organizations that government provides funding to. We have to ensure that our Taxpayers' dollars are sent to organizations that are doing everything they can to protect our communities, to protect the children, the youth, the employees that work within those organizations. Uh, Alberta's premier says that the the province, which gives about $6 million annually to the Stampede, uh, will not pull its funding. But Premier Smith says she will check with the Stampede's uh, Young Canadian School of Performing Arts on current protocols. Uh, and they've got Minister Tanya Fur on the file. Calgary's mayor, uh, Jody Gondek, says that it's a, quote, tragedy that the board didn't act on the issue when it learned of it. She says, I'm happy that accountability has been accepted by the Calgary Stampede. To this point, you're the only Alberta politician that has called for funding to be pulled, for financial support to be pulled. Are you surprised by that? I am surprised that other elected officials uh, don't want to uh, ensure that transparency uh, is brought forward within the public eye. I, you know, that's surprising. I think um, what we're asking for is a halt to funding to ensure that this organization has taken the responsibility and accountability um, moving forward that we and other organizations across Canada, it's just not the Calgary Stampede and their board of directors for, you know, the lack of responsiveness to this issue over two decades. It's every organization across this country that governments fund 
uh, every order of government funds need to be held accountable, need to be transparent. And we need to make sure that happens. So we're protecting uh, everybody who works or volunteers within these organizations. I mean, I think about the 70 victims, you know, how they feel, how they've been traumatized and the impact of their lives. I mean, for government to step up and to support them, for elected officials in the province of Alberta, locally, provincially, to say, yeah, let's take a look at what happened here and why this happened and how we can prevent this from ever happening again. That's where my focus is. And I hope, uh, you know, the elected officials at the provincial government um, and municipally really think about that and make sure that we have the right uh, safety protocols and mechanisms in place to make sure this never, ever happens again to anybody uh, in our communities. Those children, those youth uh, who have been traumatized and impacted for life. And obviously, you know, I mean, a lot of people are going to be paying attention to see what position the federal government does take on this. Uh, it's not just this. I mean, we, you know, we talked on Friday, we had a, a couple of marketing and branding experts on. Uh, we we're talking about rebrands and corporate reinventions and Hockey Canada came up and that, that was another one. I mean, these are two pretty high profile situations involving, again, beloved institutions. These are beloved brands, Hockey Canada and the Calgary Stampede. And both of them right now are grappling with something very, very serious, to say the very least. Yes, and I'm a, I support, I mean, I'm a big hockey fan. I grew up playing ball hockey, ice hockey. Um, I have my jerseys at home. I wear my, you know, I wear my hockey jerseys loud and proud, and I wear my Canadian uh, women's soccer jersey loud and proud. And so, you know, we all have uh, want to support our Canadian institutions, what we love in our country, but these organizations do have to be better. And that's why I've, I, I'm going to advocate to my colleagues for a halt to make sure this review happens, to make sure this organization has done the work and, you know, really rolled up the sleeves, uh, put the work in this board to be fully transparent, but to provide justice for the victims and make sure that reconciliation occurs. Uh, George Shahal is the MP for Calgary Skyview, a former Calgary City Councilor. I want to thank you for making time for us this morning, George. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Look forward to uh, chatting again with you in the future. Yeah, you got it. Anytime. You can send us a note to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Let us know how this uh, conversation is, is landing with you. Uh, we've obviously got a lot of people uh, putting it out there in, in the chat on, on how this is making them feel. Uh, on how this is landing with them, on what is the appropriate response to them. M. Aitken says, you know, 70, we're talking about 70 people involved in this class action. You know, 70 is just the ones that came forward, uh, says M. Aitken, says the numbers are probably higher. I can't say I guarantee they are, but I feel like we can guarantee the numbers are higher than 70. You know, 80s Fanify says the fact that these brands are beloved is what leads to this situation. You know, it makes them less likely to face problems. Of course, Linda says we should know who is responsible in the organization in deciding to cover this up instead of protecting the children, instead of protecting the youth that they had the responsibility to protect. I don't know how, I mean, as a parent here, you know, the young Canadians, Johnny, I can, I can think back to like elementary school and junior high school and, and how proud my friends were and, and still are to this point. I mean, I have not talked to them in, in, in the last 10 years about it, 
But to be associated with, to be affiliated with the young Canadians was one of, as, as, a, as a kid, one of the coolest things that you could do, you know, in the whole city. Mm-hmm. And for me to think back to hear that the, that the first, you know, incident that was reported here, uh, and I don't even want to call it an incident, the first crime that was reported in 1988. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was right around the time. You know, the, the, the first document, the charges that, that, that uh, this man was, was sentenced to, um, 10 years sentence, the, the first incident, 1992. And this went on for years and years, all the way through till 2014. I mean, it's unbelievable. We're talking about Philip Hirma, who was uh, sentenced here back in 2018. And I know that this is going to be a, a tough one for parents. I mean, you're going to sit there as a parent and go, how is this not on our radar? Parents are going to be talking to kids, uh, reminding them that they can always bring something up, but easier said than done, right? You know, the Stampede talks about putting in this culture, making these changes that, mm-hmm. that, will, that they say will, will uh, you know, provide a commitment to a culture of transparency and disclosure where youth are encouraged to come forward with concerns, you know, establish an environment where they feel comfortable and feel safe to do so. I mean... You took Wyatt for his first time this year, right? Yeah. How do you explain? Not to his a, first time, but yeah, he loves it down there. But how do you explain to a kid if they hear about this that you know something happened thirty years ago and it's still not figured out? It's just yeah, it's a horrible situation. Well, yeah, and I know that this makes people feel uncomfortable. But how are you taking your kids into Catholic churches? Mm-hmm. You know, and and how are you leaving them in the care of a priest? Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to say, "Well, not all priests." Well, sure. And I get that a lot of you, I get get emails, I get them every single time. You know, why do you hate Christians? Why do you hate God? Why do you hate people of faith? Obviously, I don't. uh, Grew up in faith traditions. Uh, But these cover-ups are not limited to the Calgary Stampede. They're not limited to faith communities. They're not limited to swimming teams or soccer teams or dance clubs or anywhere else. You know, boys and girls clubs, scout troops, brownies, whatever. You name it. And I appreciated, uh, you know, the comment earlier on that, you know, this person in bad faith that rolls into our chat and starts trying to hijack it and make it about drag queen story times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, 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 if you're on social media, uh, if you happen to be on Twitter, check out the hashtag not a drag queen. And what you'll find is it's a cynical uh, and, and in a dark way, kind of an amusing hashtag. But but it's a gut punch when you realize what it is. And it's a collection of stories of adults that have betrayed trust and perpetrated crimes against children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the list is goes for as long as you want to scroll, mm-hmm. you know, and it's completely sickening. Well, I like what Daniel said. I mean, these people come from all walks of life who do these things. Of course. Like- <laughs> and they're drawn to these types of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Right. They're opportunists. They're criminals. Uh, they're sick. And if we look at, at this this legacy of destruction, this this abuse and the residual trauma, when you're talking about 70 people uh, who's, who, who are connected to a class action, these are 70 individuals. Right. With names. These are real humans with families that are living this every single day. And there's always more. There's always the people who don't come forward out of shame, out of fear. A hundred percent. Or maybe they're not here anymore. You know know, what I mean? So Yeah. Some people wondering, you know, was it my fault? Was it my fault that this happened? It's not your fault. Right? What are my friends going to say? Am I going to get made fun of? Am I going to get kicked out of the young Canadians? What's my family going to say? Yeah. 
Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send messages either on the record or in confidence. And we appreciate your engagement um, with this show and you help drive our editorial process. You help drive the direction on what we cover. You know, audience member here says, full disclosure, my husband was abused by a priest at his school. His mother's response, how dare you accuse a priest? He's 55. He's in the last 10 years of his career. Of course, that priest found other victims. Lauren says they walk among us. Sharon says we need to stand up, call it out, watch our kids, keep an eye out for changes in behavior. Look at who are their coaches, who are their mentors that are interacting with our kids. Keep in mind, and I'm not the expert here, but I've had enough of these conversations, and this is subject matter that is very close to my heart. You can probably tell that I really give a rip about this stuff. These predators are experts in gaining and maintaining your trust, in leading you to believe that it could not possibly be them. You see in the news headlines, someone who's accused of or convicted of pleads not guilty or guilty is tried, convicted, sentenced in crimes like this. And you say, yeah, them, but not our guy, not our coach, not our community member, right? Until it is. Now you're going to say, oh, you're fear mongering. You're, you're wanting us to believe that, that there's predators around every single corner. You're wanting us to believe that there's people lurking in the shadows looking to harm our kids. If there are, it only takes one. It only takes one time. And so maybe the call to action from this show is to talk to your kids. Have that difficult or uncomfortable conversation. Maybe donate to a service like Calgary Casa, like we just talked to. Maybe find a way to volunteer in your community with organizations and nonprofits that are providing these supports. Maybe it's time to write a letter to your MLA or your member of parliament. Maybe you'd like to sound off to the Calgary Stampede Board and let them know how you feel. Is this an attack on the Calgary Stampede? Like it'll be framed by a lot of people? Is this politics? Obviously not. And if you're unwilling to have a difficult conversation about an institute that you revere, an institute that you care about, despite the fact that children have been harmed and the crimes have been covered up, well, then I don't know what to tell you. I want to take a, a second to mention the sponsors of this program. They're here for easy and fun conversations, and they're here for the tough ones, too, because they believe in the value of real talk. And a lot of our sponsors put their money where their mouth is when it comes to supporting kids as well. And that for sure describes the family-owned businesses that are the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. We want you to circle August 10th on your calendar. It's coming up. It is the annual Miracle Treat Day in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. You can show up to a Dairy Queen in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road on August 10th, and all of the proceeds from your Blizzard purchase are going to support kids' emergency health care in Alberta via the Stollery Children's Hospital. You know, their donations over the years total more than seven figures. It's unbelievable what these Dairy Queens have done. We encourage you to maybe pick up a huge box full of blizzards, maybe drop them off to your neighbors, maybe your colleagues at work. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know, a gathering, a perfect time for a birthday party. Maybe you're heading somewhere where you know there's going to be a bunch of people that would love a blizzard. You can place your order in advance for August 10th, Miracle Treat Day, at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. 
Our friends at California Closets have made a huge name for themselves, obviously providing custom closets, the best in the business, and storage solutions for the entire home. But did you know that they're doing a bunch of work when it comes to garages? Look at this. If you're listening uh, on the podcast, let me describe legendary broadcaster Gene Principe's new garage. Look at this. They started with, that's an average looking garage. I actually thought Gino did a pretty good job. It's not too bad. He's got his his ladder hanging on the wall, but the organization could use some improvement. And, and, And let's be honest, it's bland. No offense, Gino. It is what it is. But now the transformation, look at that floor, the checkerboard floor. How cool would that look in your space? If you want your garage to start working for you, the best move you can make is request a free consultation today at californiaclosets.ca. If your project is is a little bit more about getting back on your feet right now, maybe those big rainstorms over the past few days means that you had water in your basement again and you got another mess to clean up, why not take care of it for good with the team at Complete Care Restoration? fire damage flood damage this is their wheelhouse and they're operating across the province of alberta helping people get their lives back if it's mold and asbestos removal they do that too as a matter of fact they have a team of full time abatement professionals that are trained specifically to ensure that all the boxes are ticked and the environment is healthy for you your colleagues your family whatever the case may be you can find complete care restoration online by visiting the sponsors tab on our website or give them a call at 780-454-0776 We want to let you know that our friends at Apex Automation are looking for professional engineers right now. They literally never stop hiring. Their team is growing incredibly fast across Western Canada and down in the Lone Star State in Texas. Why? Well, because they're automating across industry. If you're an electrical engineer, maybe instrumentation, computer science engineer, a process engineer, maybe a mechanical engineer, they want to hear from you. If you value career broadening opportunities, if you value the idea of being able and motivated to reach your full potential, if you'd love to work somewhere where they put their people ahead of their profits, don't hesitate. If you're a PNG, check out apexautomation.ca today. Cool meeting yesterday afternoon. We sat down with Mike. Mike is the owner and operator of Eden Landscaping, and right now his crews are working in our backyard. We had a couple of questions about the process, and and there's a bit of a change of plan as the build is happening. This guy took it like water off a duck's back. No problem, he tells us. He's making the adjustment that is giving us the confidence that we made the right call in working with Eden Landscaping. For more than 20 years, Mike and his team have been bringing outdoor spaces to life. And here's the best part. Most relevant, I think, they can do it on a budget. We don't have the biggest budget in the world, but we do have a big vision on what the perfect yard's going to look like. We are well on our way there. And that is the reason why I, with two thumbs up, recommend you trust your landscaping project to the team at Eden Landscaping. You'll find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at Friesen Brothers. Johnny, you had a chance to hang out at that and enjoy oh, that man. vegan feast. Hang out. I wish I could live over the there. weekend. How was it? It was like the it was like the all you can eat type situation. Twenty five bucks a plate. Incredible. And some of the creations they have there normally day to day. Some new ones that they're trying out that I hope they'll uh, 
Incorporate. But if you haven't tried them, they're always right in the butcher shop. It's for meat lovers and those who don't eat meat alike, plant-based. Try the chicken fingers. Chick-N. Chick-N. fingers. Tastes just like real chicken. They're hot and ready all the time. Because this was the love steps. Them. These yeah. are the steps that have been taken lately, right? Because at first, like, and I'm talking a few years ago, the vegan options, like, they, they, they were obviously, the, the, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people were doing it on principle. People were doing it based on how, how they felt. They had the conviction to do it. Yeah. But they were they were having to, to lower their expectations on taste and texture. Sure. Right? Not Nowadays, anymore. No. Like, the, the shepherd's pie they had there. The uh, lasagna. You couldn't even tell that it wasn't ground beef anymore. There's amazing things they're doing. So if you're plant-based or if you're just looking to, I don't know, have some healthier options thrown in. And, you know, I know Wyatt at home, he's he's trying out some of this he stuff, is. right? He loves Kids our vegan pepperoni pizza, yeah. actually. But I love that freezing is, is welcoming to all people from all diets. And they're always trying to put more, incorporate more things. It's not just the same stuff every time you go yeah, to the grocery. I think it's a smart business move on their part, too. Mm-hmm. More and more people are finding ways to kind of diversify their diets and, yeah. and make sure that they're living their healthiest selves. Yeah. And uh, Friesen Brothers is right there for you. You can find them online at Friesen.com. And finally, we're putting out the call. Uh, we're off on Friday, which means the Trash Talk's coming up on Thursday's Real Talk. That's presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. If you're a decision maker working in the greater Edmonton area, White Court, if you're in and around Regina, Callahoo, and you're looking to protect and look out for your bottom line, you're going to want to take two seconds to check out localenvironmental.ca. I mean, you could be running a restaurant. Maybe you're making decisions on behalf of a municipality. There are so many reasons to choose local. You can request a quote today. We can guarantee you're going to save money at localenvironmental.ca. Kimberly here says, I wonder if Friesen Brothers has any plans to expand to Calgary. Uh, Kimberly, we are in their ear all the time because a significant portion of our audience joins us from Calgary. And we know that you want to see Friesen Brothers down there. I saw the uh, the uh, cement mixers were in action at the traffic circle on 142nd Street, 107 Ave in Edmonton yesterday. Oh, the construction continues at what will be the 17th Friesen Brothers location. And they're hoping to open that early in 2024. That's we'll keep amazing. On that. Can I tell awesome. you, that's crazy that you bring up cement mixers. You know, I was driving on the highway to the airport the other day. I didn't even tell you. And you know how the cement mixer, they have the, like the scoop at the at the bottom that the yeah. cement drains yeah. out of. And it's usually one or two or three pieces like a snake that, that folds up in the back and then they chain it up or whatever. Yeah. A piece of it fell off of a cement truck in front of me on the highway and narrowly missed my car. Oh, geez. And it smashed the window of the car behind me. I was like this close. I was actually changing lanes. So I'm about two car lengths behind it and I'm changing lanes and I see this piece like shaking fall off and I just, just narrowly missed it. I went out uh, to the car this morning and I saw that my lower uh, left hand blinker is smashed, but yeah, it was a crazy time. Did the truck the stop? Of course it did. Like five or six other trucks stopped. Okay. I, I didn't think I got hit and I was in a hurry. So I kept going, but the, the person behind me had their driver's side smashed and everything. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Wow. Wild. <laughs> it was a wild time. You get a different perspective uh, on a day where you dodge a bullet, right? 
it, it that's, that's I've had a couple of those in my life. That's exactly why I wanted to bring it up. You it go was like just two like, seconds earlier, and yeah, I would have been who toast. would have known? It come right through the windshield. Wow. Or, yeah. Uh, Shalane says, "Thank you, Real Talk, for another very important show. Uh, encourages our audience members to smash the like button. Thanks for doing that all the time. Um, encouraging you to be Patreon supporters. You're the best, Shalane. Thanks very much. Uh, or Ken Clack, who threw five bucks at us in the live chat today. Ken, we sure appreciate that. Uh, Shalane says, "Thank you for bringing these important issues to the forefront. Well, thank you, Real Talkers, for participating in." this if you don't have an engaged audience then shows like this are pointless and we want to incur well they're not pointless but you know what i'm saying they have less of an impact you can ensure that these shows land with the impact that they deserve to land with and that means you can share our content and tell people all about them i saw a comment earlier in the chat that i wanted to uh you know read and i thought that this was a really good one alberta girl by the way says in my experience don't blindly trust your kids in the hands of anybody we do need to be vigilant every coach that my kids ever had it seemed either mentally or physically abused them or one of their charges man i look back to some of my early coaches uh and i'm, I'm not <laughs> alleging sexual today, abuse, but, but, the, but, the, but the fit, <laughs> yeah. there's no other way to call it it was physical abuse yeah. it was did i ever tell you the story about 100%. the about the stretch the hamstring stretch yeah. So in phys, we had this we had this this phys ed teacher that was just a monster, and uh, and there was a guy and I won't say his name it doesn't matter but but just this wonderful guy, uh, bigger kid not an athlete didn't matter uh, and and I shouldn't even write him off like that I mean he mm-hmm. could be an incredible offensive lineman in football or whatever he wants but the fact of the matter is it wasn't where his interest lied he wasn't the most motivated in phys ed and there were probably a lot of factors involved including you know somewhat self conscious you're you're in elementary and junior high school who isn't self conscious at that point mm-hmm. anyway he couldn't you know that that exercise i mean i wonder which of our real talkers could do this now but you have both legs out in front of you you try to touch both your toes at the same time oh, yeah, it's yeah. tough to do right yeah. it's tough to do our phys ed teacher puts his heels up against this kid's heels okay so they're facing each other and they got their legs they got their feet here and he takes his hands and he pulls his hands all the way <laughs> until his fingers touch his toes and this 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 boy this friend of mine what a brave man he what a brave Mm -hmm. young man he's sitting there and he refuses to let his face break but he's got tears that are coming down the side of his face as he's enduring this physical pain if that that, there's a word for that and that's called abuse (laughs) and i look back on that and i think now i mean the way that that you know in our school i attended a private school all the way up till grade nine i mean you used to get the strap they would Mm -hmm. strap oh i got the strap with leather straps in school yeah too i remember that if you use bad language Mm -hmm. if you if you pushed back on a teacher i mean can can you imagine yeah. that today? They used to call us in the office if we were acting up. I remember at the the first school I went to for grade one and two, and if they would just scare you with the strap, they put your hand on the desk, the principal or whoever, and they just bring it down, you know, right beside your yeah. head. But also, what you're talking about here, like I'm all for, like you know, I. Nothing against phys ed teachers because they push you to the extreme. They want you to be prepare. They want to prepare people who are are going to be athletes. And there is something to say about hard work and pushing your body to the extreme and breaking through those those filters and getting to the next level. But in high school, I had the same thing where our phys ed teacher, like it was punishment. Like some people couldn't keep up with the routine, whether we were running laps or doing burpees or whatever we were doing. And the punishment with not keeping up was to make that person do more. And Jeez. I would see people like hyperventilating. And and yeah, it just, it went a little too far. And I'm glad some of that stuff doesn't exist today. But the, the assisted stretching can sometimes be a good thing though. 
as you were talking about that. There's, there's no way that this one was a good okay, thing. Okay, I understand Just that. Just basically, it's <laughs> seared into my memory, and this is probably, uh, you know, I mean, when you put it the way you do, assisted stretching. Like, I go to yoga. It, it sounds, and, and sure, the, the, it sounds like assist, right? someone looking out for your well-being and helping you and pushing it to the point of resistance, mm-hmm. but, you know, this was not that. Um, you know, I, I wanted to, to get to more of your comments here on the chat, uh, just because so many of you have taken the time to comment on, on this today, and, and we sure appreciate it. We appreciate you driving these conversations. Um, you know, a, a lot of you are talking about what you think is an appropriate response here uh, by the Calgary Stampede. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, there, there are some fair comments here. I mean, Ken wonders, how can people defend the Calgary Stampede when they said nothing about their changed processes for five years between the conviction and this case? He goes, come on. I mean, this guy was sentenced in 2018 and they've reached a settlement here on, uh, you know, covering some of these costs, as mentioned. Again, they're, they're, these are these are not all the damages. There's a court date coming up. I think it's September 25th. Uh, the stampede accepting liability and, and negligence, a settlement, um, uh, you know, pending approval of a judge September 25th, 100% of liability damages, but punitive damages have not been agreed on. So that's why this is resurfacing in the news. But Ken's right. This conviction was in 2018, right? That's five years ago. Uh, that's another great point. Uh, Bunny Slippers making this comment. I appreciate this. Teach your kids the proper names of body parts and teach them to feel safe to talk to you mm-hmm. and other trusted adults. That is such a good point and such an important point. And we should point out that there are a lot of other resources available. Uh at organizations like uh, Calgary CASA, Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse. We spoke with their CEO today, of course, here in Edmonton. Uh, you have the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton, that's SACE, and we're proud to support them here on Real Talk, and there are many other organizations and agencies available to you, perhaps closer to your community, if you're listening outside of the province of Alberta. We know that this show is a tough subject matter. We know it's a difficult conversation for a whole lot of reasons, and we appreciate you showing up for it. We commit to you that we will keep having these conversations in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. With your support, we'll talk these things out together. We've still got two great episodes of Real Talk coming up this week. If there's something happening in the news that we're not tackling that you'd love to see us get to, you know where to find us. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Real Talk RJ. We'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive Producer, Josh Dunford. Technical Producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's Editorial Board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 